Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. Well, good morning. My name is Liz, and I'm one of the lead pastors here at Life. And I did just want to say, with Reflections on the Cross, it is a family-friendly experience in the sense we, we offer two different guides, one for um, you know adults, individuals going through the experience, a little bit more simplified version for families. Um, so that just, you can, you can bring your family through the experience as they reflect on Christ's life, his death, and resurrection. So I just wanted to put that out there. We're not excluding children from the event, too. Um, so we're in this season of Lent, and we're uh, looking at the Psalms and how they give us a picture of the human heart before God's presence, right? There, this language, this heart language for us to express ourselves fully and honestly with everything that goes on in life before God. None of us are really exempt from bad things happening in our lives, right? We all face seasons of hardship, trials, circumstances that we wish we could just magically poof, would just, just disappear from our life, right? And, you know, as a society, we've been through um, some difficult times in the last two years, and we're starting to shift this focus from COVID to this war happening in Ukraine, and it's, it's absolutely devastating. It's really hard um, to watch the news these days. I can feel the atmosphere almost shift in my house as soon as it's on. Um, just watching, you know, people's lives just being obliterated by the trauma of war. It's, it's very difficult um, to just put ourselves in the situations of what people are facing these days. So in, in a lot of ways, life still feels um, volatile, right? Like, and this isn't new for society, that there's volatile times. This isn't new for the writers of scripture, right? They went through very difficult times, seasons of war, seasons of trouble, and trials. David, specifically, he went through many times like these. He's the writer of over half of the Psalms in the book of Psalms. And so we're looking at some of these Psalms to, yeah, Give us language, God. Give us language to pray these prayers that are in our hearts, from thanksgiving to praise um, to lament and all the way in between. So David, he speaks very specifically about some of his difficult times by talking about his enemies. He's not shy from using that word. It's all over the Psalms. And I think enemies for us feels a little harsh, right? We're kind of like, we don't use that word as often and as comfortably as David used it in the Psalms. But he simply calls them what they are. And you could say, like an enemy, you can use that to describe a person or a group of people or anything that you experience as like actively hostile or harming you in some fashion. And if that's true, then the world is full of enemies, right? We have many things that are coming to attack life in our heart, right? We have fractured relationship, hostile dynamics in the world. Um, sometimes we have internal 
enemies, you know, pride and fear and jealousy, anger, greed, things that take root inside of us. Any stronghold that's coming against us having life to the fullest in our hearts. But David had some real flesh and blood enemies as well. Um, And we see in the Psalms that he comes to God in the good and in the bad and in the struggle and in the praise. He brings it all, his deepest self, before the presence of God. And we can do the same thing too. So some of these Psalms that give voice to those moments of pain and difficulty are called lament Psalms. And these are psalms that just like express like the deepest things in our heart where it's like the the sorrow, the grief, the regret, all those things we are lamenting before God. We're saying we are sorrowful over these things. We feel terrible over these things. It causes us pain that these situations have happened in our lives. And David laments life's troubles, and then he makes a, rec- a request to God for help. He asks God, would you do this as a call to action from my complaint, from what's going on in my life? And laments can be individual. It can be from just what's going on in your life, and David has many of those. Or it can be like a, a community lament. You can lament what's going on in the world. You can lament the war in Ukraine. You can lament what the whole community is suffering and facing together. And so there's individual and community laments. And then he, he affirms, always at the end of these laments, he, he affirms who God is, right? He calls on God's character and he ultimately puts his trust in God. And so we're going to read Psalm 59 this morning, which is a psalm of lament. And what I want you to do is, as you're listening to some of this kind of intense language and enemies and what's going on, I want you to kind of maybe just imagine what could be going on in David's life that would cause him to write such, uh, um, you know, expressive language. And then we're going to dive into that. So I'm reading from the New Living Translation, Psalm 59. Oh, it's also on the screen. You could follow along. Rescue me from my enemies, O God. Protect me from those who have come to destroy me. Rescue me from these criminals. Save me from these murderers. They have set an ambush for me. Fierce enemies are out there waiting, Lord. Though I have not sinned or offended them, I have done nothing wrong, yet they prepare to attack me. Wake up, see what is happening, and help me. O Lord God of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, wake up and punish those hostile nations. Show no mercy to wicked traitors. They come out at night snarling like vicious dogs as they prowl the streets. Listen to the filth that comes from their mouths, their words cut like swords. After all, who can hear us? They sneer. But Lord, you laugh at them. You scoff at all the hostile nations. You are my strength. I wait for you to rescue me. For you, O God, are my fortress. In his unfailing love, my God will stand with me. He will look 
He will let me look down in triumph on all my enemies. Don't kill them, for my people soon forget such lessons. Stagger them with your power and bring them to their knees. O Lord, our shield, because of the sinful things they say, because of the evil that is on their lips, let them be captured by their pride, their curses and their lies. Destroy them in your anger. Wipe them out completely. Let, then the whole world will know that God reigns in Israel. My enemies come out at night, snarling like vicious dogs as they prowl the streets. They scavenge for food but go to sleep unsatisfied. But as for me, I will sing about your power. Each morning I will sing with joy about your unfailing love. For you have been my refuge, a place of safety when I am in distress. O oh, my strength, to you I sing praises. For you, O oh God, are my refuge, the Lord who shows me unfailing love. Now David is lamenting many struggles in this psalm. But ultimately, he's putting his hope in God. He proclaims, God is going to stand with me in his unfailing love. He is my source of refuge. And each morning he finds joy in God's love. But in the meantime, his enemies are stalking him. They're taunting him. They're hurling curses at him, accusations. And he's crying out to God. God, take action against my enemies. Do something. Wake up. Act. I need you to rescue me. And he's crying out for justice in the midst of this lament. And he goes from complaining to praying and complaining and to praying. And he's using very expressive language to describe his situation. He isn't afraid to tell God how bad it really is and how much he wants him to do something about it. And David shows us that God can really handle any tone of prayer. He really can. Um, if you are raw from any of life's troubles and situations, God wants to hear about it. He wants to hear your raw, unfiltered prayers and emotions. David shows us, you know what? God can hear our anger. He can hear our panic. He can hear our worry. And from that place of honesty, faith really does come. And so to give us an idea of what's going on in this psalm, you know, there's, there's history and background in Scripture that informs us what's going on in this Psalm 59. What, what happened in David's life that, that inspired him, motivated him uh, to write this, this lament? Well, there's a storyline in 1 Samuel that gives us a picture of this. So we're going to kind of digest it a little bit. And to start with, there is a character, Saul, okay? He is the first king um, of the nation of Israel. And Israel was God's chosen nation, right? So he chose these people. He chose to dwell with them, to have his presence, to be their God. But Israel eventually, they cry out. They say, we want a king. We want a flesh and blood king. And, and God's like, that's not really a good idea. But they don't relent. They want a king. So he gives them what they want. 
and he chooses Saul as their king. Now, Saul seems like he's going to be a, a good king, okay? He makes some good decisions in the beginning. He's following and obeying God, but then things turn south, and he starts disobeying and making bad choices. And he ultimately finds himself in a situation where he is tormented um, by a spirit that fills him with fear and depression. And so some of Saul's servants say to him, let's find a good musician to play for you, okay? And whenever that tormenting spirit comes, this person will play soothing music and you'll be well again. All right, so back then, you know, they didn't have, um, you know, music streaming services. They couldn't just turn on Spotify when they were feeling troubled, right? They had to call in a real live musician to bring this, this soothing peace of mind that we can just boop on our phone, right? Um, I think one of the best uh, modern inventions has been Bluetooth headphones. Anybody have Bluetooth headphones? Okay, yes. Praise God for Bluetooth headphones, okay? So instead of having to like have my cord connected to my phone and always walk around with my phone playing music, I can put my Bluetooth headphones in and do whatever I want around my house. And I have three smaller children, so my, my house can sometimes be chaotic and loud and uh, unpeaceful, right? And I love to put my Bluetooth headphones in, um, and do chores around the house, do dishes, fold the laundry, just kind of like drown out the crazy so that I can have some sanity and some peace of mind, right? And um, I remember thinking like when, I, when one of my mom friends first told me she did that, right? She would put Bluetooth headphones in to just drown it out and get stuff done. I was like, to do that. Like, I thought, you know, maybe a little guilty, like I'm ignoring my kids or whatever. But no, Bluetooth headphones, that is where it is at. Podcasts, everything. You can get some peace of mind listening to music, right? So we understand what Saul is going through. He needs some peace of mind. And so he looks for a real live musician to bring him that. And guess who he ends up finding? It is David himself. David was a harpist. Huh. And so whenever Saul had this tormenting spirit, David would come and serve in the courts of Saul, and he would play his harp, and Saul would feel better. So no wonder David's writing all this poetry, right, that turns into songs because he was a man of many skills, and um, playing the harp and soothing music was one of those things. Okay, so as the story continues, um, the Israelites, they, led by King Saul, were challenged in battle by their neighboring enemies, the Philistines. Okay, and the Philistine army was well-equipped. They even had this prominent, infamous giant named Goliath, right? He was their, their star player. In their, uh, in their army. And for 40 days, Goliath would come out each day and night, and he would just strut himself in front of the Israelite army, just taunting them and throwing accusations at them. And he was calling out for someone to come and battle him. And he was like, if you come and battle me, 
whoever wins this will, you know, decide the whole victory, right? And guess what? No one wanted to fight him. And the Israelites, man, as soon as he came out morning and night, they were gone. They were terrified. And so David, his older brothers, are serving in this army, King Saul's army. And one day, David's father, he was not serving in the army. He was also a shepherd tending sheep. So if he's not playing the harp, he's out there uh, as a shepherd in the fields, not serving in the army. But one day his dad says, hey, David, I want you to go kind of check on your brothers, see how the battle is going, take this food down to the Israelites, and then report back to me. So he goes down um, to check on the battle. And as he is there, Goliath comes out and does his taunting thing, you know, taunting the Israelite army, who's going to fight me, yada, yada, right? And David starts kind of asking questions like, what is this that's been happening? He says, well, well first, what's the reward for the person um, that kills Goliath? Well, the reward is King Saul's going to give one of his daughters in, in marriage. And then he asks this pointed question. Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And his brothers are like, stop asking questions, David. This is not your scene. Go back to the fields. Go back to playing your harp. Like, you don't belong in war. Like, get out of here. And he persisted. He did not let um, that... Uh, that uh, changed his mind. He's like, listen, I've been rescued from, God has rescued me from lions and bears as a shepherd. Surely he will be with me when I fight this giant. And so despite all these people's uh, opinions that he should just, you know, go back, just leave it, leave it alone, he goes for Goliath. He says, I'm going to take this, this giant. I'm going to fight him. And King Saul's trying to give him weapons and, you know, uh, armor. He refuses it. He just finds some stones, puts them in his shepherd bag, and goes against Goliath. And he makes this declaration to Goliath. He says, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defied. And as Goliath begins to attack, David runs out ahead and meets him, reaches him, in, he gets his shepherd's bag, takes out a stone, slings it at Goliath, and hits him straight in the forehead. And Goliath kind of stumbles and, oh, and then ends up falling for, face down on the ground. And Saul is just so excited. Now this, uh, this enemy that they've been fighting and fearful of is dead. And David, not only has he helped soothe his soul, he's taken care of the enemy. So David becomes this commander, right? And he also becomes friend, really good friends with Saul's son, Jonathan. So he is like in, right? And then the whole army goes back to town, and the townspeople come out to um, give their congrats and 
uh, greet them and cheer for them. And they sang this song. Saul has killed thousands, but David his ten thousands. And as soon as Saul heard that, he was mad. Because they were crediting David with more killings than him. And that took uh, jealousy straight to his heart. He was, now his heart was turned against David. And then he thought, it's only a matter of time before all these people are going to want to make David king over me. And what little did he know was that God had already chosen David to be the next king. There's a priest, Samuel, that's this book, who God had already talked to and said, David's going to be the next king. Go pay him a visit. So in a few chapters previous, um, Samuel pays David a visit and anoints him with oil, knowing that it's God's plan eventually that David is going to be revealed as the next king. And when Samuel does that and anoints him, right, um, with oil, the Spirit of God had come on David and God was with him powerfully and gave him great favor and victory. But Saul's heart was turned against David from this point forward. And we read in um, Samuel 8, 1 Samuel 18, it says, The very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul again. And he began to rave in his house like a madman. And David was playing the harp, and as he did, Saul had a spear in his hand, and suddenly he hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall. But David escapes twice. And then Saul was afraid of David because he escaped. He realized that the Lord was with him, and he had turned away from Saul, actually. And so Saul sends him away and appoints him a commander over a thousand men. And guess what? David faithfully leads those troops into battle, and he continues to succeed in everything he did because God was with him. And when Saul recognized this, he became even more afraid. But all of Israel and Judah loved David because he was so successful at leading his troops into battle. So Saul, he's trying to get rid of him. Let's just make you a commander of some men over here away from me, and maybe you'll die in battle. Maybe something bad will happen to you. But he just keeps having victory. So Saul's even more frustrated, angry, and jealous. And so this just kind of goes on, trying to pursue David's life. And so <clears throat> pretty soon, Saul does give David the wife that he was entitled to for killing Goliath. And this is another point of contention because Saul's daughter already fell in love with David. So she was more than happy to be his wife. And that affection and favor that David just kept accumulating made Saul furious. He says, 18, 1 Samuel 18, 28 says, When Saul realized that the Lord was with David and how much his daughter Michael loved him, Saul became even more afraid of him, and he remained David's enemy for the rest of his life. 
And then the very next verse is in Psalm, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel 19. And 1 Samuel 19 is the direct history from this Psalm 59. And the first verse says, Saul now urged his servants and his son Jonathan to assassinate David. And so his enemies are truly coming after him. They are stalking him. They are prowling the streets like vicious dogs. His enemies are coming for his life. Now, Jonathan, Saul's son, David's close friend, he, he talks King Saul down a bit. Don't assassinate him. And so Saul relents for a brief period until that tormenting spirit comes again on him. And as David is playing his harp, he again takes his spear and tries to kill him. And then David really flees for his life. He knows, like, I have got to get out of here. And his wife helps him. His wife sets up a decoy in the bed because Saul now commands his troops, you encamp around his house until you capture him and bring him back to me until he is dead. And so the troops are out there surrounding his house, and his wife is like, oh, he's just sick in bed. And she comes up with this decoy and puts this fake idol in the bed and puts goat's hair on top so it looks like he's sick in bed. And the troops are like, okay, we've had enough. We're coming into the house. We're going to capture him. And when they realize that it's a decoy, oh, they are so mad. And so they are you know, commanded by Saul to go in hot pursuit after David. Wherever he has fled to, you go and you capture him so that we can kill him. Well, now David, he flees um, to Samuel, the priest, his trusted priest. He goes to him, and they find refuge in this shepherd's camp, and they hang out there for a bit until Saul catches wind of where that location is. And then here's, here's the end of the story so far. In verse 20, Psalm 19, it says, But when they arrived and saw Samuel leading a group of prophets, the priest Samuel leading a group of prophets who were prophesying, the Spirit of God came on Saul's troops, and they began to prophesy. Then when Saul heard that that had happened, he sends more troops, and they too prophesied. And then the same thing happened a third time. So Saul's like, okay, enough. I'm going to get David myself. And as he arrived, he demands, where's Samuel and David? Where are they? They are at Nioth in Ramah, someone tells him. So on his way to Nioth, the Spirit of God comes on Saul, and he begins to prophesy all the way to Nioth. And he tore off his clothes, and he lay naked on the ground all day, all night, prophesying in the presence of Samuel. And the people who were watching exclaimed, What? Is even Saul a prophet? I would ask that, and also, Why are you naked? Let's put some clothes on, Saul, and then you can keep prophesying. But God humbled him. He humbled Saul. And so we understand 
David has some fragmented relationships. He has some enemies. He has some people who are in hot pursuit over his life. And God's favor continues to be with him. So it makes sense, the, the extreme language that David is using. If you feel threatened by enemies, man, you're going to, you're going to have some language to describe that. And when he says, God, bring them to their knees, guess what miracle happens in this story? God brings them to their knees. The Spirit of God comes on the troops and he takes their hostility and he turns it into prophetic praise. And angry, aggressive Saul, the Spirit of God comes on Saul and he's humbled before the power of God. God answers David's raw, faith-filled, begging, complaining prayers. He answers them. In, in the midst of, of trouble and crisis, David moves toward God confidently. God, rescue me. Save me. Protect me. My enemies have set an ambush for me. God threw, David threw himself at God's protection and mercy and rescue. So what might you be lamenting during this season? What is going on in your life or as you look at the world that's causing you you know, distress, it's causing you grief, it's causing you trouble. What enemies do you feel are coming to steal the life in your own heart? Use the Psalms to give, this, give you language to lay it out before God. State your trouble, state your complaint. Ask God to move to rescue you and throw yourself at God's character and his unfailing love, that he stands with you and he is your shield. Psalm 55, 17 says, Morning, noon, and night I cry out in my distress and the Lord hears my voice. David's distress was, was real. We can see how real it was from this ongoing back and forth enemy he had in his life. And so my call to action to you this week is write your own lament psalm. The, the, the lament psalms have this um, uh, pattern to them, this flow to them, this complaint, ask, and praise. That's the flow of the lament Psalms. So do this exercise in your own life. Write out a lament psalm. Start with the problem. Start, what, starts what, start with what's troubling your heart. Write out the complaint. Like, don't hold back with what is bothering you, what is troubling you. And then ask, 
for something very specific. Ask for how you want God to respond. God wants you to ask him, God, I really want you to do this. This is what I need for you to do, God. Wake up, God, and do this. What's that specific big ask? Figure it out and ask him. Ask him how you want him to respond, how you want him to move. And then finish with praise. What is God's character that you can rely on? What can you remember that he's done in your life that you can praise him for? That's where we anchor in who he is. So do that this week. Write out a lament psalm, just like David does, time and time again when things trouble his heart. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are a God who acts. You are not a God who, who slumbers or sleeps. You are awake to our lives at all times. And we can cry out to you morning, noon, and night. And you hold us in your arms. Thank you for being a God that responds, that listens, that lets us be raw with you, that we don't have to be a certain way with you. Thank you, God, for who you are in our life. And I pray that you would just um, release our hearts to be honest with you and bring you our grief and our trouble and our sorrows. And I pray that you would meet us right now as we worship you and we praise you and we sing songs of, of who you are, Lord. We love you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org. lifemohammed.org.